Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. Um, in this episode, what I'd really like to do is uh, talk about probably two things. First, I want to talk about something that I struggled with a lot when I first got sober, and that is the word powerless. And then I also want to talk, uh, I, I want to do each one with maybe a, a look at something that I, uh, was said this week in the media or maybe something that somebody talked to me about. And this week, the thing that I'm going to talk about is being normal. I always get a kick out of that one. So really quick, uh, with the word powerless, I know a lot of times it really kicks our butt. I know it really kicked mine. I came from a culture where I couldn't show any weakness whatsoever. I literally, anybody that's lived the life knows, I mean, you really can't be soft. You really can't say, oh, sorry, my bad. You kind of have to react to everything in a a certain way. And one of those things that you'd never react to something is by saying, sorry, uh, that was out of my control. Everything had to be out of my control. I had to micromanage everything in my life. That was the only way. I always used to say, paranoid is safe. So that was one of my big things is, hey, uh, it's not paranoia, it's safety. So when they first talked about powerlessness, man, that that really made me stop and doubt my recovery. Uh, It it made me at the very beginning go, well, I'm not powerless over anything. And today I'm going to use Celebrate Recovery. They do acrostics, and I've always really liked it because I can remember it that way. And they do one with powerless. And basically, when we talk about powerless, we're not saying that you don't have power over something. Basically, what we're saying is that there's some things you have control over, but there's other things that we try to control that are beyond our uh, realm of power. I try to control things outside of my scope. And because of that, it robs me of my serenity. I have trouble focusing. And this just isn't for people with substance use disorders. I think this is just about everybody. I think everybody tries to micromanage things in their life. Everybody tries to control things in their life that are outside of their control. And because of that, we have a lot of people that are, they're depressed. We have a lot of people that are really anxious. We have a lot of people that do start struggling with things like substance use disorders, uh, eating problems, because of the depression, the anxiety they feel from trying to micromanage everything. So what I want to start off by saying is that there are things in our life that steal our serenity from us. And because of that, we, <laughs> we put ourselves in some really bad situations. And in order to leave those, there are some things we need to realize. Um, The first problem that a lot of people have is pride. I know back in the, when I got sober, I was a therapist. People came to me and they talked to me about their problems. And because of that, I had trouble talking about my problems to anybody else. I was the one that was supposed to have it all together. I was the one that was supposed to help everybody. And I mean, I'm the one family and friends come to. And here I am saying, listen, I don't, I can't do this by myself. 
you know, pride forgets things. Pride forgets that we need, I always talk about in the locker room, I talk about the fact that we need coaches. And that coach can be a sponsor, that coach can be a, a mentor, that coach could be a youth pastor. You know, uh, but we need people in our lives. We also need accountability partners, which I always I call teammates in the locker room concept. And basically what that says is that we ha- we need to surround ourselves with people who want to see us do better. Birds of a feather flock together. Um, one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard from an inspirational speaker, you show me your five best friends, I'll show you your future. Look at the people in your lives and are they encouraging you to live your life well or are they dragging you down? I guarantee I could stand on this table right now and have a hundred pound person stand on the ground. And if they tried to pull me down and I tried to pull them up, they're going to win. If we flip places, you know what? Same thing probably would happen. They would pull me down to their level. That's kind of what happens. So hang around with people that are going to lift you up instead of hanging around with people that are going to pull you down. Because if I put three people on this table, guess what? They're going to yank me up to their level. So pride forgets the positive things we have in our life. Uh, it forgets our higher power, which I, call, I choose to call Jesus. It uh, forgets the, pe- the positive people we have in our life. You know, um, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans for the future. That's what pride is. Pride is saying, I'm going to do this and I don't need anybody's help. Um, the O in powerless stands for the only ifs. It amazes me the people that I see uh, that try to make themselves a better past. I can tell you right now, I have never seen somebody make themselves a better past. In fact, if you ever watch a movie where there is time travel and they go back, they always make the, their reality worse when they go back in time. I also found that if I only if everything away, I never can change it. If it's always a problem from my past that I'm dealing with and I don't do anything to deal with that problem today, then I'm never going to be able to fix it, right? So think about those things in the past that have caused you to have only ifs. Well, if only so-and-so hadn't left me, if uh, only I wasn't a felon, if only I wasn't an addict, if only I had a job, if, if I only had a brain, but seriously, what are those things in your life that you're only ifing yourself to death about, right? Um, I am a person in long-term recovery. I don't struggle with my addiction anymore, and I know sometimes that bothers people. You know, people are like, well, there's no telling what's going to happen tomorrow. You're absolutely right. There's no telling what happens, what's going to happen tomorrow. Today, I do things to make sure that I stay in recovery. Today, I surround myself with positive people. I go to positive places. I do positive things. And there's things that I put into my day every single day to guarantee that I stay well. So, I don't know. I don't struggle with things in my past. I am a better person because of the trials and tribulations that I've been through. Those things that occurred in my past have made me wiser and stronger than just about anybody I meet. And it's the same for most of you. Most of you have gone through and overcame things that make you so strong today that nothing can break you. But once again, we can't do it in a vacuum. We need to do it with other people in our lives that support that. Um, The W in powerless stands for worry. It seems like, and that's, you know, freaking out about stuff in the future. It seems like half of us spend 
well, a lot of us spend half of our time beating ourselves up about the past, only ifing the past, and the other half of our time freaking out about the future, and we have absolutely no energy to pour into today. Today is the only place where change can happen, honestly. So it doesn't matter. I, I, it doesn't matter what your plans are tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to live till tomorrow. So what can I do today to make today a great day? What can I do to help the people around me um, have better days? What can I do each day to make myself a little bit better? And if I live to tomorrow, then I'll deal with that when I get there. Today, my goal is to live the best possible life I can and impact people in the most positive way that I can. So I don't know. Um, another thing about worry is really, I don't know about your higher power. My God's huge. He's enormous. You know, he, he is bigger than anything and everything out there. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. All those fun things that we want to throw in there. If you truly believe in that higher power, yeah, we're going to have a little concern about stuff. But man, I know that no matter what comes, it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. And I don't even think you need to believe in God to believe that, honestly. But for me, it's my faith that gives me that ability. But without that faith, things are going to happen the way they're going to happen, regardless. So don't live in constant fear about tomorrow. Instead, focus on today. Um, the E in powerless stands for escape. I don't know why I always think of Dory. Escape. You know, but for a lot of us, that's what our problem is. That hurt, habit, hang-up, that life-consuming issue, it is something that we're using to escape. You know, um, my testimony, if you've ever heard it, my first memory is being molested by a babysitter when I was three. I grew up in a house where there was a lot of physical abuse. The first time I ever used, which was the summer before seventh grade, it numbed me and I didn't think about my past. And I found out that if I stayed in that state constantly, not only could those things from my past not hurt me, but nobody could hurt me today. And because of that, I used to escape anything and everything. A bad day, you know what? I'll take, I'll pop a couple of these. I'll do a little bit of this. I'll have a, you know, a couple drinks of this. And there, there's a lot of people that do it. Even after I get sober, I'm trying to work on my weight now because I use food in the exact same way. I had a bad day. You know what? If I eat a little bit of this, it'll make me feel better. So I would gorge myself on carbs, chips. Cheesecake, chocolate, anything like that, ice cream. I mean, I was a Hagen Dawes king because that would help me escape my problems. So, escape is another one of those really vicious things that we try to do. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it could be too much food, drugs, alcohol, gambling, shopping, anger, violence, codependency, sex. There's so many things we use. The R in powerless stands for resentments. Uh, I've heard it attributed to Carrie Fisher. I'm not really sure who said it, but I've heard Carrie Fisher was the one who said holding a resentment is like drinking poison to kill somebody else. I can tell you right now that anger, hate does nothing for you. Um, in fact, it made me physically ill sometimes. I would have so much anger in myself that it would literally make me sick. It is bad for you. It's bad for your spirituality to walk around with anger and hate in your heart. You know, it is, there's nothing good about it. And the thing is, man, if you're in recovery or from something, and we're all in recovery from something, but 
you have to forgive other people if you expect people to forgive you for the things you've done in the past. And when I hold those resentments against other people, I can't get mad when people hold resentments against me. Honestly, I can't get mad if they hold resentments anyway. But my job is to make sure that I'm as healthy as possible. And part of being healthy is letting go of those resentments, is making those amends, is going up and telling people, you know what, that was my bad, and here's the part I played in that. Whether they forgive you or not, that's on other people, right? Hate kills the hater. Exactly. And I remember reading a qu another quote one time, and it said that uh, if you don't fix, <laughs> you know, if life has cut you and you don't fix that cut, then you're going to bleed over people that you don't mean to bleed on. And that's another thing. If I don't heal from those things in my past and still walk around with all anger and hate in my heart, I'm going to end up hurting the people that I care about the most. So I need to let go. I need to accept the forgiveness that comes from my higher power. I accept the forgiveness that comes from God and you do it however you need to do it, but find a way to let it go. It might be writing it down and burning it. It might be doing the empty chair and having that conversation with somebody. It might be talking to your sponsor, your mentor, your accountability partners, meet your buddies for coffee once a week and talk to them. You know, um, because as much as hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. And part of being a hope dealer is healing other people. And in order for me to help other people heal, to help them help themselves heal, first, I have to heal myself. I can't be a broken anger. I can't be a broken tool and expect to fix anything. Does that make sense? I guess you can't answer me. So we'll just say, yes, that makes total sense to you. So we've gone through the power part. So the L in powerless stands for loneliness. And for some people, man, you go through what they call relapse prevention, right? And they tell you that you have to let go of your uh, people, places, and things, right? We can't be around people. We can't be around this. We can't be around that. And sometimes we sit around and we start thinking, you know what? My life was so much better when I had these people in my life. Now I'm all by myself. At least back in the day, I had people that called me. I had these friends that cared about me. I always say my friends would have, uh, man, I had friends that probably would have taken a bullet for me. But if somebody would have given them the right amount of money, they probably would have put a bullet in me. Uh, when I used to do assessments and I had somebody sitting in front of me and they would ask, what is a, uh, one of the questions is, uh, how many close personal friends do you have? And I would have some people look at me sometimes and they're like, what does that mean? What's a close personal friend? And I would say, uh, have you ever spent more than a couple weeks in jail? And if they had, then I would say, how many people came and saw you every week and put money on your books? And every single time I hear mom, my baby sister, and that's about it. So most of us didn't have close personal friends back in the day. We had fair weather friends at best, right? And even, man, I could have a house party at my house. There could be 50 people in my house and I would be locked in my bedroom feeling like I was all alone. You can be all alone by yourself. The coolest thing, I mean, you can be all alone when you're around tons and tons of people. Um, with my social anxiety, I'm kind of like that now sometimes. I'm in a room full of people and you'll see me in a corner looking awkward because I don't want to talk to people. I would probably not feel lonely and be better off sitting in a movie theater watching a movie all by myself, munching on some popcorn, drinking a Coke Zero you know, for real than I would being in front of a bunch of people. 
So remember that, man, we can be lonely. I mean, I grew up in a house with five of us. And I can't tell you how many times I was in my bedroom or, man, when I lived with my grandparents, I would steal a horse from my grandpa and just take off. He had about 1,500 acres, and I would be gone for the weekend. But if I was in that, and feel better than when I was in that house because I felt all alone. So I also need to remember that I, I, loneliness is about focus. Loneliness is about being happy with who you are and where you're at, right? So if I'm happy with where I'm at, guess what? Then I'm going to do a lot better. That's what loneliness is. Now, the E stands for emptiness. And I can't tell you once again how many people are like, man, I used to have all this stuff to do. And I'm like, really? What did you really do? Because I can remember sitting around a table for three days playing cards with people. And half the time, we just shuffled the faces off the cards we didn't even play. I can remember sitting at a table with people for hours talking. And 20 minutes later, after a three-hour conversation, if you would have asked me what we were talking about, I would have been dumbfounded and not able to give you an answer. Um, emptiness is how I feel when I don't have a purpose. Today, I have a purpose. Today, I have things that I want to do. Back in the day, I looked in the mirror and I saw a, a junkie and a convict and a person that would not, was not contributing to society. You know, I used to joke that I didn't make friends. I took hostages. I mean, that's the way I lived my life back then. Um, and I knew that, man, back then as an agnostic, I knew one day I would die and turn to dust and nothing that I ever did mattered. And because of that, I was always empty on the inside. Today in recovery, I know that there's things I do to make my community better. I know that there's people I talk to and help find the power within themselves to make themselves better. Um, today I have contentment and joy, not just in my heart, but in my life. My community is better because I exist in it. People in my life um, are better because I exist there. So today I have a purpose and I don't feel emptiness anymore. Um, the first S in powerless stands for selfishness because so many of us, I mean, it's me, 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 me. When I was actively using, it was me, 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 me. Uh, if you would have changed the, what is it called? The Our Father prayer, you know, Our Father who art in heaven, gimme, 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 gimme. And that's how I would have been back in the past. If I did something good for somebody, it was just so that I could hold it against them at a later date, right? I might loan somebody 20 bucks or front something to them, but as soon as I needed something, I was quick to bring that up and remind them of it. Hey, you know what? Remember that time I loaned you 20 bucks? What kind of friend are you? Let me use your car. That's not why you do good things for people. You don't help people just to hold it against them later. So a lot of times we are very, very selfish and we don't let go with stuff. So I think at the heart, selfishness is one of the biggest problems between people, right? Um, what do you do that takes you away from people in your life? Drugs took me away from everything. Literally, I say back then it was really easy to be agnostic because drugs were my God. I worshiped them. They consumed all of my time. So what now is taking time away from your family? You know, for me, it's still a little, it's still a struggle with video games. I know sometimes video games take me away from my family when I should be spending quality time with my family. I am sat there glued playing video games. So what in your life is it that's causing that, uh, that's a, keeping you uh, selfish. What is it that you're doing that doesn't allow you to give of yourself to others? Because honestly, today, that's what life is about, right? 
life is about, man, becoming better, doing better things, helping people out, um, pouring into people's lives. Sometimes we sit around and we wonder why we don't have quality friends. And I can tell you this, I didn't have quality friends because I wasn't a quality friend. You know, now today I make myself more available to people, but it still takes a lot to get through to me. And the last S is separation because, man, our lifestyles can separate us from anything and everything that's truly good in our lives. I didn't have good relationships. Why? Because uh, I didn't want anything to do with anybody, you know, um, it also separated me from my higher power. It separated me from my spirituality, you know, spirituality being defined as those things that are important to you, your, your goals, your, your mores, your morals. I didn't have mores. I didn't have morals, you know, mores, uh, basically are the rules that are set by society. And I lived in a subculture. And the mores in that subculture, I lived by. And pretty much the rules in that subculture are there are no rules in this subculture, right? You do anything and everything to keep yourself happy and you don't worry about other people. That's that subculture. So separation is, man, it's huge. So uh, so what do we do about that? You know, uh, number one, a lot of us need to stop playing God. Uh, literally we think that we have control over everything and we can do anything and everything. And the truth is most of us can't do squat. You know, uh, that was the other thing about powerless is I had to realize that I can only control me, right? This box right here. Uh, you want to see how powerless you are? Have a kid. Oh my goodness, man. My son was colicky and I, we were up sometimes for days with him crying sometimes if you got them super swaddled, it might keep them quiet for 20 minutes. And I can remember, that's what happened to my hair. I yanked it all out. Oh my gosh. I'm like, just go to sleep, please. I was so stinking powerless because I tried to control him and nobody told me that there were things I could do. Like it literally took somebody calling me up and, and me saying, I'm at my wits end. I don't know what to do. And they're like, just put him in his crib, come out and crank up the stereo. This is about you, not about him. He's fine. He's just crying. Crying's okay. You know, is he changed? Is he fed? If he's changed and fed, he's good. No fever, he's good. Let him cry. But this is really bad for you. This is unhealthy for you because of how stressed out you are, right? So realize that, that we're, we're not God. We don't control anything and everything. I control me. I mean, I can't control whether somebody can, somebody can walk up and start screaming in my face and I have options. Back in the day, I would have told you that I didn't have options. If somebody came up and started screaming on my face, I was going to punch them in the jaw. And I'd be like, sorry, man, that was automatic. That was an automatic reaction. But the truth is there's really nothing, no such thing as an automatic reaction, right? Because there has to be electrical, that energy thrown through the neurons to create that response. Um, the truth is I have options if somebody comes up, yells, and screams at me. I can punch them in the jaw. I can talk back to them. I can turn and walk away. There's all different things we can do. So we always have options and we have to think through those when we come to problems. Um, the, another thing is stop denying that things hurt. You know, they have this thing called an anger funnel. And if you've ever seen it, basically it, it's a funnel drawn up. And at the bottom, it says anger. And at the top, it says fear, depression, hurt, uh, jealousy. 
And what, what it says is that a lot of us, all we've ever had is a hammer. And because of that, every problem looks like a nail. So every time something happens, man, we hammer at it, right? That anger comes out. <clears throat> oh my God, are you crying? You know what? If you see a tear coming out of my eye, you better leave. That means I'm getting ready to black out and lose it. I mean, you know, how many of us, we always used anger to cover over any fear that we had. Yeah? So basically, learn that we, it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to say I'm scared. It's okay to say I'm hurting. You know, uh, I needed people to surround me when my dad died from suicide. And unfortunately, that was, that was the first time that I ever found a pain. Between that and not being able to see my son, I finally found a pain that I couldn't escape from. I couldn't outdrink it. I couldn't use enough drugs. I couldn't, there wasn't enough women to sleep with. There wasn't enough anything for me to not feel that pain. Life hurts sometimes. It's why we surround ourselves with people and we use them. I have people in my life that I can talk to so that I don't have to turn back to alcohol or drugs, right? I have those people in my life now that are going to support me and I can call them up and say, listen, it's two in the morning, but I, I got to talk. I need coffee. And I encourage my friends all the time, and some of them don't take me up on it, but I mean, I work with people who have lost their kids. I can't imagine that pain. But if you're awake at three in the morning, not able to sleep, and your heart's ripping you out before you make a choice, a decision that you can never talk back, man, pick up that phone and call me. I will go meet you for coffee, right? I guarantee you have tons of people. If you don't know me, I guarantee you have tons of people in your life that will do that for you. They will be there for you. But first we have to say, listen, man, I need help, right? That's one of those first steps. The first step isn't admitting I have a problem. It's reaching out to people, honestly. I mean, I knew I had a problem for years and never did anything about it. When people would say, you're, you're, you're a drug addict, I'd be like, yup. You know, I used to live right down the street from Larry Simmering, which is a residential treatment facility that I went to several times. And I remember before I ever went there driving by and being like, oh, rehab's for, for quitters and quitters never win. Bro, I'd scream it out the window at him. I mean, I knew I had a problem and I wasn't ready to do something about it. So when I finally was, most of the people I had in my life didn't help me anyway. So surround yourself with those people. Um, admit that we're powerless and that there's things that we can't control like other people. How many people loved you enough to get you sober? Because I know nobody loved me enough to get me sober. And I, my baby sister loved me and went to, through the depths of hell with me. And yet it wasn't enough. So those are some things we need to do. And to go back to the locker room, someday soon I will have a mini workbook that will be put together for the locker room that will talk about the things that we need from a coach to teammates to, you know, a lot of different things. And we'll talk about that more as we get more involved in uh, as more uh, as the podcast starts, really. I mean, th those are some of the big things that I want to talk about are the tools that we're able to use to not just be sober, because honestly, uh, people use that word clean. Personally, I don't like the word clean anyway. I always say I'm only clean for about 30 seconds after I get out of shower. The rest of my day, I'm in long-term recovery. But if you want to use the word clean, clean just means abstinent. And I wish more for everybody that I know than just being abstinent. Recovery is about changing every single thing in your life. It's about improving psychologically, physically, uh, socially, uh, financially, 
think of something and it's about increasing and improving in that area. I wish everybody recovery from whatever life has thrown at them. Whether it's the abuse like I went through when I was a kid, whether it's uh, and, and the, the trauma that that caused. So if it's PTSD, depression, if it's, you know, uh, a behavioral health disorder like depression, substance use disorder, if it's gambling, if it's codependency, I wish everybody the ability to, uh, to work through that and to put the people's people in their lives that they need to. And that's really what I'm hoping that this, uh, podcast is going to be able to do once I get it started. Yeah. Financial stress. Exactly. And, and that's a huge thing. That was a huge thing for me. I mean, anytime I got money in my pocket, I thought that I could flip it and make more money. And generally what I ended up doing was, I'd go, I'd be 20 bucks short on a bill and I'd be like, Hey, I can flip that and make the money. And then I'd have no money in my pocket because I would have partied myself and everybody out. So that is powerless. It says that there's things we can't do, right? Pride. We need people in our lives to help us. I am not a rock. I am not an Island. I need people. Um, the, Oh, the only ifs quit beating yourself up about the past. And realize that you can't do anything to make the past better. The only thing that you can truly make better is today. Uh, worry. Um, quit beating yourself up about the future and stressing yourself out. You know what? Uh, I can't tell you how many people, like I said, they're $100 short on their rent that's due in a week. And instead of looking at ways in the next week they can make money, they go out and blow all their money at the bar. And now they're broke. Right? So quit freaking out about the future and focus on what you can do today to make yourself better and to help the people around you become better. Escape. We can never escape our problems. We have to deal with them. I had so many issues and I could escape them temporarily. But as soon as I came down, guess what? Every single one of those problems was still there. In fact, a lot of times it was even worse. Right? I've never ran away from a problem that didn't get worse over time. Resentments, you know what? It, it is bad for you to hold in negative thoughts about other people. That anger, that hate, it's bad for your for your psyche, for your soul, um, for your spirituality. So we've got to let that stuff go. If I want other people to forgive me and get over the, the ways that I've wronged them, I need to forgive other people. Uh, loneliness, you know what? We can feel lonely in a room full of people. The biggest thing is we need to find purpose. That goes to emptiness too. Um, and then... The selfishness, the separation, stop being me, 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 and start doing positive things. That's why, like, with Better Life and Recovery, we have a stream team that a year, two years ago, I mean, we picked up three and a half tons of trash out of Missouri Riverways. Uh, we're working on putting together six date floats for this year. Uh, over the past four years, five years, four or five years, we've painted 11 elementary school playgrounds, just people in, reco in recovery and their families giving back to make their community better. You know, um, we've gone and done a ton of work with uh, Harmony House, which is our domestic violence shelter here in Greene County. One of those things I'm not very proud of. Greene County, uh, I think last year we were second. Not last year, but the last year there was records. I think we were the second worst county in Missouri. And I know in 2015 we were the number one county in Missouri for domestic violence. So we did a lot of work there. We try to do things to make our community better. In my past, I made my community worse. In recovery, I make things better. So that's powerless in a nutshell. And then I said that I wanted to talk about something else. So 
I had somebody and I have people come up to me and talk about this all the time. They ask me, when will I be normal again? And for starters, I really don't even know what normal is. I mean, I, I'm from Illinois and I used I grew up early, early childhood in Peoria. And I know that there was a little town right next to Peoria that was called normal. So maybe that's normal, normal Illinois. But honestly, I don't know what normal is. What I do know is this. Normal just means most. Why would you ever want to be like most people? In fact, I go back to that, uh, the pickle in a cucumber. You know, I heard somebody say once that because of drinking, he'd become pickled and he wondered when he would ever become a cucumber again. And in my opinion, why would you ever want to be a cucumber again? We talked about this, right? We talked about the fact that because of the things that we have lived through, we have wisdom and strength that a lot of people don't. If you have gone through chemo because of cancer and overcame that, guess what? You have strength and wisdom that a lot of people don't because they haven't been through that. In turn, you can be a hope dealer because you can share your hope, how you overcame that, how you worked through it with other people. Hey, this is what this is going to be like, and this is how I dealt with it. This is how I've seen other people deal with it. So to me, a cucumber is bland and tasteless. I know some people disagree with me. I can't sit there and just eat a cucumber all by itself. I'm going to need ranch or something to spice it up because to me, it's just plain Jane ordinary. Now, if you take that cucumber and you put it in some vinegar and dill and other spices and let it sit there for time, over time it turns into a pickle. And I will tell you now, I love pickles. I think they're delicious. They have more flavor. And I think that's what we have. We have more flavor because of the things that we've been through and the wisdom that we've gained. Why would you ever want to go back to being a cucumber again? Oh my goodness. I love being a pickle. I love being a person in recovery. I love having the experience and the outlook that I have. I love being I love having the hope that I have because I know it's possible because I overcame. And it's not just the substance use. It's the childhood physical and sexual abuse. It is the the trauma that was untreated for years. It is the bipolar diagnosis that I live with today that my grandma and my dad and some of my uncles have and most of them unfortunately died by suicide because of it not getting treated and eventually it overtaking them. How many of you have those things in your life? Those things that you've overcame, you know, I, I, you are an overcomer, but because of being an overcomer, you are, you can be a hope dealer. And that's my, that's my prayer for everybody. I want everybody to go out and share their strength, experience, and hope with other people. And you might be doing that in a room full of other people right now, sitting around in a circle. I want you to go out in your community. I want you to scream it from the rooftops. There are families right now that are giving up on their kids because they don't think recovery is possible. And all they do is see what's on the news. And because of that, they're getting ready to cut their kids off. They're getting ready to do that tough love. And there's a huge difference between setting boundaries and tough love. And there's people that are getting ready to cut their kids off and turn their back on their kids and take that last bit, that last glimmer of hope that they have because at least one person out there still cares about them and turn it into nothing. And I can tell you when that happened for me, I got fortunate because somebody came in and found me with both my wrists slashed before I'd been dead for too long for them to bring me back without having major brain damage, right? So... I want us to share those stories out in the community because there's families that need to hear it. 
They need to hear that it's possible and maybe they'll go, oh, well, wait a minute, man, where that person came from and they are now, man, if they can come back, then maybe my kid can too. Maybe I should give my kid one more chance, right? Or that person that's not in the rooms, that's not at your Celebrate Recovery group, your AA group, your NA group, your Smart Recovery, your whatever the heck you go to. And whatever you go to, I love it. Please, we need you there. Whether it's Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, Celebrate Recovery, Smart Recovery, Life Ring, uh, Rational Recovery, uh, what else? Uh, Refuge Recovery, uh, Wellbriety. We need people in those classes, life skills classes, and we need teachers, and you guys are going to make amazing teachers. Family support groups. If you're a family member of somebody in recovery or you've lost your kid, there's people out there that need your wisdom too. They need that hope that you can give them. So share your story outside of the room. I, my recovery will never be anonymous. And for some people, I realize that maybe that's what they need to do. Maybe because of a job or something that they have, they can't share their story. But trust me, there are people out there that need to hear what you have to say. They're at the edge of their rope. They've tied a knot in. I say this all the time. They're holding on for dear life. They're about ready to give up because they know nobody has ever been where they've been and got better. And they can hear your story and the hope at the end. And you know what? Have a little bit of strength to maybe pull themselves up, right? Going back to what we talked about last week, that's jumping down in the hole and say, hey, I've been here before and I know the way out. So please share your stories. I don't care what it is that you overcame because there's people out there struggling with everything. You know, I I see people with their keto plans talking about all the weight that they're losing and how great they're doing. I see those pink ribbons for the Susan Komen Foundation, people that have overcame cancer. Whatever it is that you've overcome, share your success. Share that hope. Deal that hope. Be a hope dealer. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. There's a Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week.